0: introduced by name and then see so look at jay did it again damn it jay
1: i don't know damn what it! you're talking about <laughs> what is going on what is going okay,
0: on Hey, we let you back on the show and look what happens come
1: on now what 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 we're trying to have a show here katie will you just can we got to focus okay we got to focus all right, here.
0: all right all right that's it everyone shut up, <laughs> shut, up.
1: <laughs> shut up i'm talking wait a second that sounds like something familiar uh well hey everybody You're back on Spilling Ink. We had a little bit of a break there. And yes, we had a little bit of a break. And I had a little bit of a long break um, due to my my COVID infection that just kept popping up and kicking my ass. But I'm back and I sound fairly normal, I think. So I'm going to attempt to do this right. And by do it right, what I mean is I'm going to turn it over to Katie to do our sponsor introductions. Go ahead, Captain Trainwreck.
0: All right, all right. A word from our sponsor, who we absolutely love. Here we go.
1: Hello, everybody. I am Joe
2: Compton, and welcome to our channel, Go Indie Now. This is the place that celebrates indie artists and indie art, and we do so by producing several shows that either air on daily, weekly, monthly, or seasonal scheduling.
1: And within those shows, we aim to educate and entertain you if you're, if you're an indie artist who's trying to figure out how to do
2: this, this is the place you need to be. If you're an indie artist who's looking to promote and doesn't have any avenues and, and is tired of the grind, this is the place to be. Because remember, it's always time to go indie now. Within those-
1: Katie, I wanted to talk about the weight loss journey I'm currently going on <laughs> right now. <laughs>
0: wait, 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 hold on. I, I hear an echo. Does somebody have YouTube running or Facebook running?
1: No, that
2: was me. I'm sorry. I didn't know. <laughs> I knew, I knew we, it. I said, I Jason half Stewart
3: half is quickly becoming my favorite dude on here, just for the fact that I am glad I'm not the only one that makes the echoes.
2: Well, no, I just I'm sad that last half hour you guys are all catching up on your lives, and I don't know what's going on, but it's okay. I'm not here.
3: <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. You'll get. You'll get used to the insanity that is our little tribe. I don't need any
2: more insanity. Thank you so much. I don't I don't want any extra i don't want to get used to it or uh, no I, I i want serenity i i live in palm springs on one side uh, is the mountains the other side is the palm trees and i'm totally and, and every day is a loop right you just
1: live the same day over and over
2: oh god don't say that it's scary. <laughs> you wake right, up well. go, you get up you go pee you you look at your phone you do your little prayers you You know, it it is, you exercise, you get, it is sort of odd living at home so much. Mm. I have to say, I'm going a little nuts. I haven't, sex is over, over. (laughs) 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 I have my my new boyfriend, Pornhub, he's great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah! What's really great about him is he's always there. And if he's not there, he sends somebody else.
3: (laughs) That's funny. I I hear he has a good friend named Hamster, right?
2: Yes. (laughs) I haven't been involved with him because I'm alone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Dig it. Uh, all right. All right well, before we get too be, yes, too, in before, depth the, too.
1: <laughs> before the boys get too carried away. Uh, by the way, mine's name is Pornhump Premium. Um oh, uh, we you, have, you pay for it? <laughs> wow. It's, it's free. It's like a COVID special, wasn't it? I, I don't it was know. Free. Maybe I'm I i do not know.
3: <laughs> I think I think me and the hamster are the ones that are super tight. I ain't paying for none of that. <laughs>
1: uh all right. Well dear, we have uh we have Mr. Brian Tan on tonight. Um uh, who is basically here to to shake shit up. I mean, that's what Brian does. I mean, Brian's great at that.
0: He's, he's <laughs> supposed to be playing our, our Jane today because Jane is out, unfortunately, with COVID. And we've been yeah. out how many weeks now? Because our team just keeps getting taken down.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Yeah. Well, and then we have a brand new guest today, which I'm really yes. excited about. Mr. Jason Stewart, how are you?
2: Hey, how are you? Thank you well, for having me.
1: Yeah. Besides not having sex and being alone, um, how is life treating you?
2: Well, I live next door to my eighty-three-year-old mother, wow. so I be, I'm now a spinster. Oh, uh, I become that guy that lives at the end of the block. You know that everybody goes, "Oh yeah, he never found anybody." <laughs> you know, and throw a ball into my yard, right? And then I, and of course, and then I, then I'm that guy that
3: keeps it. <laughs> oh no, Oh so you're so guy. you're Mr. Myrtle. You're Mr. Myrtle. I guess so. But
2: I'm very happy to be on the show. I'm here to talk about my 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 new uh, book called Shut Up I'm Talking which is my autobiography. Uh here oh, I just have to have a half of coffee.
1: Oh there coming out in
2: Hollywood and making it to the middle. That's the subtitle. Well Shut that guy up.
1: doesn't look like you at all. <clears throat> I mean that's that's a that's a good-looking guy. That right is there. a
3: striking
1: <laughs> image. Like wow. I feel those eyes
3: piercing into my soul. Are you trying to say that I'm unattractive in person? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jay, Jay. Yeah, that was great. No, Jay, I was just saying that, that that image was like staring into my soul, strumming no, my you pain.
2: Want you, you want you to get the book and it, you know. I now. mean,
3: I, I seriously feel like Roberta Flack wrote a song about that picture.
0: <laughs> that was like a dare to me. That That's the face of, I dare you to buy this. I mean, <laughs> that's what I'm hoping. Are you going to get and, it? it?
2: And I also have a series on Amazon called Smothered, which is about oh these two guys have been in a relationship for thirty years. who hate each other and can't uh, can't get divorced. And I can, love it. Can, oh, I gotta
3: wa- I gotta watch that. You
0: have Thank to you. watch it. It is hilarious. Oh yeah. my god! See,
3: yeah. when you said Smothered, I thought you were talking about like a re- that reality show. That's what came up, and I was no, like,
2: no. Pfft. Let's 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 stick to the facts. Don't say okay. do go anywhere. <laughs> okay, watch
3: that show. <laughs> All right, good because I'm like, wait a minute, that does that—that's not a Brian Tan show. Now this looks like a Brian Tan show.
2: Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm hoping you'll watch. Just so you just know what
3: areas. as soon as as soon as we come off the show tonight, me and the wife are gonna pause the show that we're watching, and we are gonna watch this.
2: Well, it's a, it's uh, you can just go to smothertv dot com. You can watch it on Amazon, YouTube, uh, Reverie if you have it. Uh, Roku, a- Apple TV uh, a million things and even something in London called Pause. Nice, oh, um,
1: that's awesome Europe, yeah.
0: and, and I have to say I just watched it and hilarious oh my god it, it's, it's fun watching any kind of relationship breakdown I think is, is hilarious to watch but you guys really did a great job just nailing those just underhanded verbal punches at each other
2: I can't wait to watch this. We just got nominated for three Queerty Awards. That's awesome. Awesome. Both of us were nominated for Best Actor in a Digital Series, and the series was nominated. So we really feel very proud of it. And uh, we hope that people watch and laugh and sort of get a little uh, away from all this madness that we're dealing with every day.
0: What uh, What inspired the show?
2: Well, Mitch uh, definitely is... uh, An interesting guy. He plays Randy. That's my partner, Mitch Harrah. Very talented, very funny guy. And he had approached me to do a series. We've known each other probably a million years. And he approached me to do this series because we argue all the time. And he, we had done, I had asked him to be in another project that I was trying to get off the ground that didn't get off the ground about people that were over 50. And he sort of uh, uh, got on people's nerves just a little. So I had to say, this is not going to be a good fit. Uh, So he did not like that answer and he hung up on me. And then he called me back and said, I have this great idea. And we met with this great director, Terry Hanover, and we both wrote this together. And then we uh, got this great editor, uh, Rob Plaget, and uh, hence smothered.
1: That's nice. awesome. So so we're we're trying to sell your autobiography but I guess we should get into a little bit about who you are. So now now we've we've got a spoiler here. We know that you were in a television series. Now are you, you're an actor and a, and a writer? Actor, stand-up comedian, bit of a writer, okay. bit of a
2: producer, content creator. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. How long have you been in the entertainment business?
2: Really? Oh my god. Probably uh, since I was 8 or 9 years old.
1: So you wow. need to read the book. Shut up! I'm talking. Oh, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I've been at this
2: in business over forty years.
1: Oh my goodness! I was going to say twenty based on your fantastic looks.
2: Over forty years, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's I awesome. Say the
0: accent is very East Coast. Yes, I was I... born
2: in New York, but okay. I was late. but I'm really an LA boy. I've lived there my whole life until I moved to Palm Springs a year and a half ago.
0: Okay. All right. Now you were telling us you, you live. Next to your mom?
2: I live in a mic next to my eighty three year old mom, who uh, probably right now is at Ross Dress for less, And she's eighty three and still shops
3: at Forever Seventy One. That's
0: all right. Yep. Yep. That's now, right. when
3: are you going to make a show about you and your mom being neighbors? Because well, we, we, when am I going to make
2: a show that someone's going to buy? Do you have someone to buy this show or you want me to make another one? I mean, you know
3: them. what? I, If I had the funds, I would. I'm trying to get people to buy my crap. Call someone.
2: You know, <laughs> we, we've done, we, that's how the name of the book, Shut Up, I'm Talking, we used to do this little. Uh, um, I guess this little Facebook Live, we would go shopping, go to the supermarket, and we'd just have the camera on a stick following us around, and we would talk, and i say, Mom, pick a peach already. For God's sake, it's not a car, it's a peach.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something that would go on between me and my mother. Uh, <laughs> like- my,
2: mom's, my mom's hysterically funny. She's very sexy and funny. She's been married four times. Two she, ma- <laughs> two she married, two she killed. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Oh, I'm going to give a shout out to one of my biggest fans, Angie King.
1: Yes, Angie.
2: Uh, Jan- Janie Taylor. And, of course, Karen S. Height uh, are all watching. Patricia uh, Annette, I think that's somebody for you guys. So thank you all for listening in. Oh, yeah. Jinky. J- the the uh, crush, crush, crush. I think that's Julia Jink. I think that's the one who I did an article for. I think that's who Jinky is. But maybe there's more than
3: yeah. one Jinky. I'm feeling all kinds... Well, see, Jay, Jay is only doing this to, like, mess with me now because I can't eat cereal. <laughs> you are, are so hateful. <laughs> you monster. What? I don't know what you're talking ah! about. <laughs> you know what? I'm about to give you the rikishi treatment. <laughs>
1: <What>? <laughs> well, you know, I just went grocery shopping today because my my lovely wife, who is, is a truly amazing woman, um, her i'm right she is she she is yeah she made that baby yoda her ex-mother-in-law is um having surgery and so in she doesn't have anyone to to help to take care of her and so my wife is is leaving leaving me for 10 days to go and and take care of this this woman um to help her help her recover and get better and so i went to grocery shopping today and uh most of my grocery cart was stuff like this um, and, you know, ravioli, because what am I going to do on my own? Coke. Uh, yeah. No, what? <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, you know,
3: my mother, you know, my mother told me when I was about seven years old, she said, you ain't guaranteed to find a woman that's going to want to put up with you. So you're going to have to learn how to cook and take care of yourself. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Well, so, I can make mac and cheese. <laughs> you mean I can oh, so so I, you so you can I read the instructions really on the craft sure. box. <laughs> hey, I, and and I can sew. I can sew as well. I'm learning. I'm learning how to sew. So I've got. Oh, I, can I can sew. sew. I can sew. Very
0: odd skill set. Yeah, very
1: odd. That's true. All right, oh, well, let's get wanna... back
0: on track. Yeah, we, sorry. We,
1: we, I, I we always do this. this. I always do this. Jeez, Brian Tan, author of the Enforcer. <laughs> All
0: right, so let's let's get back to Jason. So. Uh, aside from the work in TV and acting and being a stand-up comedian, you wrote this book. Mm. Why did you decide to write this book? What were you hoping to get from it?
1: Money.
2: Well,
0: <laughs> <the> money. <laughs> <yes>.
2: <laughs> you know, uh, I always wanted to write a book because I think when you get to be a certain age, you want to uh, give back. I would say when you go up the stairs in, in the elevator, you go up the elevator and you should take people with you. And you, you're able to go up in the elevator of success and you want to take people with you. And I think that's important. So I always have, and as I've been getting older, I've felt this need to mentor and to partake information. So I was on Facebook one day and this guy named Dan Duff, who was one of the producers of the Steven D- D- DC show out of uh, St. Louis, Missouri. I used to work there quite a bit at the funny bone. I was very popular there in the nineties uh, um, and I, uh, He called me and said, hey, I wrote this book, would you read it? And I said, sure, it was called The Half Book. And he's a straight guy, he had gotten cancer and the book was funny and charming and sad and touching. And I said, oh my God, I just love the book so much. I wish somebody would help me write my book. Because people have been telling me to do a one man show for a hundred years. And I said, no, I've been doing stand-up for a hundred years. I want to just act. I want to act with other people more. So that's what I focused on in the last 10 years. So he said, uh, you know, I said, you know, do you know anybody? And he said, I would love to do it with you. So we wrote it over Skype for a year. And then it came out in 2019.
1: That's wow. really, really cool. Yeah. Was it, was it, did you feel like it was a natural collaboration working with him? On? Very much
2: so, because um, I am, you know, being a gay kid and going to school and being bullied so much in school and, you know, and, and having to deal, Going to school in the '70s and '80s with with all the things, I don't think that I was able to really listen in school, and I and I think that I didn't get the best education because of that. So I always say, um, you know, I always say that the hardest thing for me to do sometimes is to is to sit with pen to paper and just sit for hours. And I and after two years of doing stand up, I stopped doing that, and I just wrote down bullet points, and I would bring things and improvise it on stage, and then you know, do something that worked and then bring something that was new and do something that was, you know, and all that kind of thing. And with the book, what I did is I basically spoke these stories to him. He taped them, typed them up, sent them to me. I rewrote them. Then we got back and we would re- write together. And then I'd rewrite. And that's the way we did it.
1: What an interesting sounding process. And and I like the the idea that you weren't necessarily writing out everything Verbatim that you're going to stay, say when you when you go on stage that you were actually making yourself uh, bullets or, or topics that you that you were going to go off of. That's pretty neat.
2: It's also being dyslexic, growing up in school, and not being able to have the education of other people in the same way. Uh, so I just learned to deal with it. And what's really great is I've been on, I'd say of the 150 or 60 shows I've done as an actor. I'd say probably a third of them I've improvised on.
1: Okay. Or
2: rewrote in some way.
1: That's because, pretty incredible.
2: Yeah, because that's I'm not a Shakespearean actor, but I'm a, a character actor that can improvise. And I've I've done that for years and years and years.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well and my my own my youngest daughter is uh and we're we're waiting to see a specialist, but uh we we in and, and and they all have, have the um the opinion that they're probably dyslexic. And so we're we're trying to get them some some help. Uh, I wonder whether you know. dyslexia
2: is environmental or it's something that's you know that it comes from that or it comes from actual the, the I guess who you are, your your family or, or your. I, I think it's a little bit of both because so many yeah. people are. And I didn't even know I was until I hit around forty when I yeah. saw Tom Cruise on some TV show saying that he was, and he says I mix words up and I move them around, and when I'm memorizing dialogue, I said, Oh my God, that's what I do. Yeah. And, and I realized
1: I have the same problem. Well, and Emma will do that all the time and sometimes she'll come out to the living room to talk to us and she'll just she'll start talking and then she'll stop halfway through a sentence and I know that she's she's forgotten what the next word was supposed to be and she doesn't know how to keep going from there and it's it, it's it's got to be pretty frustrating as a child to uh to be working through that. But uh, well, I think everybody learns things differently. Everybody does things yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's not yeah.
0: meant for people to learn differently. School, just like mm-hmm. one of our commenters said, it's, it's all, all about, about conformity. Community. Yeah, mm-hmm. they don't teach to the students' aspirations or what they're going to be good at. They teach towards a standard format curriculum, and they actually teach towards tests. But yeah. that is a topic for a whole, whole. other
3: conversation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we I
0: will go a rabbit hole on that.
3: I will say this, though. I, I mean, I went to Catholic school from first grade to 10th grade, and for my— you? And my my grade school English teacher, she actually really encouraged my reading. Like, other kids in class didn't read much. I was the only one that was able to, like, borrow books from her personal library because I'd read them and finish them, like, the very next day. So that that was the only bit of, you know, difference that was encouraged in a Catholic school in the 80s.
0: I was in a slow reading group. And I remember I hated when they made us read out loud because I, my brain and my mouth are not on the same wavelength. And so I might be able to read it faster in my head, but the minute I have to, to say the words out loud, I would slow down, I would screw up, and, and I remember being put in the slow group because of that. And you know what? I, I write and edit books now, so you know I got over most of the problems with that. I learned how to deal with them, but it wasn't because they helped. It was because I figured it out on my own.
1: <laughs> well, one, one, one of our viewers, uh, Julia, out there, uh, wants to ask Jason uh, what hey, is t- uh, for for writing funny?
2: Oh, I have no idea. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. Magic. It really is. God is. The you, wizard me. did it. <laughs> you know, it's interesting about uh, that's just who I am. I think funny. It's like I was watching him eating, and I thought to myself, God, that joke is getting so old. <laughs> anyway, how many times can we see that same joke happening in the last 10 minutes? It's gonna over me- and over. Did you get the joke? Did you get the joke? Do you have it? Yeah, you-, <laughs> you have the joke? Are you sure? <laughs> um, shut up. I'm talking. If you can get this on Amazon right now. Oh, look
3: at that. That is <laughs> salesmanship. <laughs>
2: And if you want to get it autographed, just send me an email, go to my website, go on the contact page, and there's my office, Modern Artists, and you can send me an e- me email at modern871 at Gmail. And I, and I will autograph it, and I will actually go to the post office and mail it myself.
1: What would it cost to have you actually oh, 20 come bucks. 20 bucks. No, 20 bucks. To have you come over and deliver it, though.
2: I, to drive to just go all the way to another state. Let me just think a second. It's never happened.
3: <laughs> I'd probably say like room and board for like a rest at least.
1: <laughs> well, not if you I, live I, in I, Palm I, Springs, I, I, you're I, I, not going to want to come to Michigan.
2: <laughs> I think no. that um, I, I think that you know the idea of having people come to your house that you don't know in this day and age. This isn't Little House on the Prairie, <laughs> you
3: know. Even and before COVID, I was like, oh, you want to come over?
2: Come out and, and play, you know. Oh, here's Alexandra K. Uh, Cardenas. I had anger issues. A teacher finally threw the book at me. Literally between that and embroidery of all things, I learned to breathe. Well, embro- well thank God, because you know I'm glad that embroidery helps you because it helps no one else. There's no <laughs> one else. No, it's, it's, it's great that you do it. Just don't give it to anybody. Don't, don't give, keep them in a big, big satchel somewhere, and just do it to feel better and breathe. But do not give it to anybody in their the house. We don't all want to look like you know the shady rest. But I, nice. but I love you. I love you more than my luggage. <laughs>
3: I love everybody. Ask some questions. We'd love to hear from you. I, I um, love, the, I love the fact that like that, that just goes to show how classy Jason is. He, Jason has luggage. Me, I just have garbage bags that I haven't thrown clothes in yet. You do, not.
1: I, yeah, do not. I do not believe that. We need, we need Shoot. <laughs> you should you have too.
3: seen the last few times that I've, whenever I've moved, I've just thrown everything in contractor bags and be like, well, here we go. <laughs>
2: looking like chocolate, <laughs> looking just, like chocolate I Santa. Like, I just want to judge all of you in your backgrounds. <laughs> I want to judge you. Now, you, uh, um, you brian either the door needs to be open or closed i, yes. I can't that's it. open or closed it's i
3: it's, can't i can't close the door because this that's where the cat's food is at i what don't if
2: I, care. make the cat eat someplace else it's a goddamn cat <laughs> it's not a person either the door three door of them closed. we all have to look at this you know uh, what what did my door do to you <laughs> it, it's just it looks look, look look at my background it's all pictures from my career i'm here for an interview as a professional you have a headset on. You look like you're going to take off or something. I don't know. You know.
3: Well, I'm on the highway to the danger zone, man. What do you no, want from you're me? Not,
2: you're on the highway to living in your mother's basement. Oh. <laughs> Ow. Damn. And so let's My balls. Judge, let's judge Jay just a little. Jay, I do like the, uh, the wallpaper there, r- right there. <laughs> From yeah. Green Acres, you know, the, you know, yeah. I love that lovely, and I don't know what's next to it. It's the whole black and white look. It's good. It oh, yeah, right Joanne
1: Fabrics, right there.
2: It's just it's soundproofing, right? It is, yeah. Well, obviously, from our sound thing before, it doesn't work, but it's not. Nice. <laughs> oh, uh, Captain Trainwreck, all that stuff there on there. It's there. It's just too much get rid of it it's not clean what is this some children's bedroom it it, it looks you know i I, it's you gotta use it and and the curtains i do like But i don't know what's behind you
0: on the other one what's that that's another curtain i'm hiding my bookshelf
2: oh well god the bookshelf makes people look smart i love that
0: no it's it's sideways the way the angles are this is literally a corner and so the bookshelf side is right here. And then you can see my hallway from there. So, so we
3: know Katie obviously, ain't baby.
2: Obviously, some people need to redecorate. If you have to hang <laughs> curtains over things. Well, There's Katie,
3: Well, Katie ain't baby because her ass is in the corner.
2: Right. I knew there
3: was going to be a reference
2: to Dirty Dancing.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel like someone needs well, to get over Jason's to mom. An <laughs> oh and you know what? I give you kudos to that. Because Green Anchors
2: and Petticoat
3: Junction. Be- being being a movie and TV guy, like a nerd like I am, I have never just thrown a Green Acres reference into anything, so I salute you, sir. <laughs>
2: well, go on, go online. Look at my IMDb. Ask me a question about a show that you
1: like. Okay. I'll <laughs> yeah. do it. I'll do you've, it right you've, now. You've 8,000 movies, right? Yeah, you Oh, no, 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 no.
2: I've done a lot. I've done a, probably around 10 studio pictures and other 20 independent films and around 40 episodes of TV and then some Web series and shorts and things that no one has watched or cared about, you know.
3: Hey, man, you were in Kindergarten Cop, okay? Yes, I was. I love Kindergarten Cop. So
2: did everybody. The original,
3: <laughs> yes, not the one with Dolph Lundgren. Oh no, God. not that. Why one. did that happen?
2: Is he in a movie called Kindergarten Cop? He's
3: in Kindergarten Cop too. Oh, there is no God.
2: Kindergarten Cop. Yes, two. there is. It wasn't called that. Yes, it was. No, it <laughs> wasn't. Hmm. <laughs> How much you want a bet? I will bet you
3: Jason's left nut. <laughs>
2: if, if I win, that means you have to move the food for the cat and close the goddamn door. Fine.
3: I will close the goddamn door. I guarantee you. Because it, it, right it was on Netflix's Kindergarten Cop 2.
2: There is, I would know this because every fan would go insane and tell me. For those who don't know, I played the, um, the, the Dolph Lumber, and it's, it's D-O-U
3: Dolph. D-O-L-F. D-O-L-P-H.
2: D-O-L-P-H.
3: L-U-N-G. L-U-N. Oh, there it
2: is. (laughs) What the hell's happening here? No, it's the truth. (laughs) We have taken over your show. What year did the movie come out?
3: Oh, it was within the last 10 years. Well, that's not very specific. Well, that's good. Shark. Shark... Glad to see Dolph is getting some work. (laughs) Sharknado 5. That that was the show that, that's what (laughs) I meant. Were Sharkino you one of those
0: the you, you are really totally did. right. Oh my God.
3: When it comes to movies, I am using How did right. I not this movie must have been such a bomb that there, well see, there were there are bombs and then there's kindergarten cop two. Okay. <laughs>
2: because I you know Penelope Ann Miller and I are friends and she uh we 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 weren't friends from this movie. We were friends with me we were in the movie The Birth of a Nation four years ago. Oh. And okay. we we both were in that. We would know. We would know all this. Nobody except for Dolph Longren. And I don't know any Bill Bellamy is in it. Okay. Yes, he is. This I can't the- believe I wasn't asked to redo my performance of the hairdresser. <laughs> be,
3: Bill- you would have easily been the best part of that entire movie. Because, oh wow. My oh all right. All right. So fine. I'll ask you something about something that you were in.
2: I'm really upset that I don't know this. How do I get past it?
3: Because Brian Ten has nothing else in his life but his writing uh. and movies.
0: I, 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 reframe that. You I'm sorry. Are one half of the plotaholics. That it is your true. Job to know.
3: Yeah. Before before I was doing plotaholic stuff. I was just some nerd that had nothing else but if movies. If
2: anybody says reframe that to you again, you, you change the channel. <laughs> <laughs> All
3: right. Fine. Please That's buy a, my book. You?
2: Shut up. I'm talking. Available on <laughs> Amazon.
3: I'm buying I am buying your book now just because I don't know why, but I feel this heavy urge to buy this book. Well, so I'm should. gonna buy it. I'm gonna the going
2: fact to. that you haven't bought it is offensive.
3: I I apologize, sir. Please, please, please do not flog me unless it is ten PM Eastern Standard Time on a Saturday. Then whatever happens, happens. Wait, it's, it that's that coming up here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, well so I don't so like I
3: don't like making people wait, Katie.
0: Okay. Oh, let's Karen,
2: Karen Height made a comment. She says, new career for Jason Stewart, an interior designer for your backgrounds. <laughs> yes, thank you.
3: Richard. All White, right, there. fine. You know what? Hey, hon, can you close the door before I get, <laughs> I, I feel so targeted. <laughs> yeah, Sharon, come
2: on here. Well, it's enough <laughs> of those special need headset things.
3: <laughs> oh, come on.
0: <laughs> man. Now, now I should say, <laughs> I should say too, that, yes, my background stuff is cluttered. But it is also my books as well. Go publish yourself.
2: I love that. That's what and she said.
0: Write the damn book.
2: That's oh what she said. Oh, my says. God. I would say don't write the book. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh.
2: no, it's a very, you got to support me. Everybody has one story to tell. That's what they say, right? That's true. Everybody has that one story. And I think I have mine, and it's called Shut Up, I'm Talking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this, yeah,
3: is my, an, this is my favorite episode of Spilling Ink ever.
0: If you were to come up with a sequel, what would the title be?
2: To my book? Yeah. Um, I think it would be that. I just need to lie down.
0: <laughs> I love it. Go away. I'm an, how about
2: you're an idiot? Keep your distance.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now that was now
3: that's the one I like. That's that that's oh, my that favorite.
0: Is, man. That is 2020's title.
3: Uh, well, actually. No, can, that's what I say every day.
1: <laughs> Jason, can you give us some kind of a uh, short anecdote that might, be, that might be in the book, you know, some, some kind of little uh, teaser?
2: Well, you want something comedic or dramatic?
0: Hmm. Oh, no, we're
2: on the your, your choice?
0: Train. No, no, we're on the comedy train. Keep it funny. All right, there, all right. There's a thing
2: called Burning Jason, <laughs> and it's about the whole trip to Burning Man. And I had gone to Burning Man because I wanted to connect with my gay brothers. Not as an actor, not as a comedian, not as a, a known personality, just as one of the guys. Because I've never been really good at that. And um, I went there thinking. And it was ten years or eleven years ago, twenty ten, and I went there. No, it was not. It was twenty nine oh nine because I didn't have my Prius yet. I had my uh, other car, and I remember going there and thinking to myself, "I'm not going to get a big fancy tent. I'm just going to. I'm going to be like everybody else." And da 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 da. And I bought a little tent and they all, all the other guys had tents you could walk in. And mine was like, you know, I was like the hunchback of Notre Dame, you know, looking for my contact lens in the dirt, you know? And then we, it, it, the whole trip was a complete fight fiasco from beginning to end. I got there, I didn't bring any food along. We all drove in, the, we drove in this, this camper that was the, with all the old guys. It, it, it drove three miles an hour, it took six days to get there. It was like next Shavuos is when I was gonna be there. And, and one guy was deaf and the other guy was an ex-porn star for bare sex tapes or something. And I, we, we got there. There was no food. So so he said, oh, I brought some pot brownies. So I had two brownies completely. I was so high. I had no idea where I was. And I put my tent off to the side because I didn't want to be with the other guys. I was afraid they would infiltrate me. I was, it was so crazy. And then when they got there and I went to the food thing in the morning, I hit my head on the top of the... The the truck that it was in, and I passed out. It was the best sleep I had in years. I, the, the whole thing from beginning to end was so crazy. I couldn't take it. I just I had to leave, and I didn't even know that my whole group of guys were all on LSD. Had no idea.
3: <laughs> Concussion sleep is good
2: sleep. Man. Oh, it is. It's Michael Jackson time. <laughs>
3: Are you going to do an audiobook version of your book? Because I could like seriously sleep to you reading and making you laugh.
2: I would be happy to, but you know, somebody I've got to sell enough of the written b- word books. Probably when I get my series when it comes out, I probably will do that. Nice. Uh, the redo and add another chapter. Um, Burning Jason is totally hysterical, and I and I finally left, and I had to get. A, if you know anything about Burning Burning Man, they have these art things. So there's an art car that looks like a flying. Uh, carpet so i got on it but he wouldn't let me put my he wouldn't let me get on he only my my suitcase and of course i i of course bring t- to burning man a suitcase with rollers you know what was i thinking right <laughs> and then i went they said they, they do they do not want you to leave so you go to the front circle where everybody is and it was a girl there with one boob hanging out and i said hey i need to leave and you, you don't want to stare at her boob hey i need to leave you know? <laughs> and, and and she sits and she's sitting to you she goes she goes Oh, okay. What you do is you go over to the place where all the people, there's a cop there and he has a car and he'll drive you into town. What? what where, where will I find him? Oh, he left three days ago, but he will be back. <laughs> you know, Then I went over there and I'm sitting with this poor guy, this little redhead guy. He was so cute. And I'm sitting with him and he. no one would have sex with him. And that's why he's leaving. And I'm thinking to myself, there there are so many people here walking around naked. You did not want to see naked. There were so many. I'm sure you could have found someone to have sex with. I found the most incredible guy that I met there. And I was so high to this day. I don't know whether I met him or imagined him.
1: Damn. (laughs) But it doesn't matter in the end.
2: Yes, it does. I'm alone in this apartment.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, come on, Jay. Keep up with the times, bro. Oh,
2: look what Angie King says. Worth the buy. Thank you,
1: Angie. Love this Um, woman. She's I think so that – is Angie talking about your book or Katie's book, though?
2: Oh, I don't know.
1: So, I think I'm she's
0: – Probably Jason's books. That's what mine is. a major fan she, friend from Jason.
2: She,
3: she showed up for Jason, and she stuck around for the insane banter.
2: Yeah. <laughs> she, she's, yes, she's,
3: she's now, been following me now, for years.
0: of the book, because we always want to find out how you went about publishing it, once it was written – did you go traditional, go through an agent and uh, one of the big I fights? tried to go
2: through an agent. I called everybody. You know, I'd never done a book before, never had a book deal. So I went and after we finished it, we called, I called everybody I could and say, hey, I have a book. What do I do? I had an agent in New York that was interested and then call me back, call me back, da 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 You know, didn't happen. A lot of people wanted to self-publish the book and wanted me to pay them to self-publish it. Ah, yeah. Vanity
3: presses.
2: yeah and i don't want to do, i didn't want to do that Mm-mm. so um i sent it to all these people there were a lot of people interested who strung me along for a couple months and then ccb publishing out of canada the guy said he i sent him three chapters plus um i think i sent him a uh, a one sheet and uh a couple of links to, to my work and he said oh i know who you are you're terrific we'd love to do this and that was it <laughs> it was that simple we made a deal and I've been working with him for a year and a half. And he's just terrific. Nice.
0: Now, did you go on a, a media tour with this when it first came out? Or yes. You... I then
2: COVID happened. That's what happened. So oh, I had, I had two.
3: COVID. I uh, had
2: two book signings, one in Ho- Hollywood and one in Palm Springs. And I, I had several of the other ones in New York and Arizona. And there were other book signings made. But then I started doing things online and I found that I was selling them more. The book is available through CCB Publishing, through Amazon, all the other sources that people go to, and also on my website, if people do really want an autographed copy, which a lot of people did, which I didn't really think was such a big deal these days, but people do want autographs still. I thought the self the selfie had taken over that. So I um, basically I have people just send me their address, Venmo me or uh, pen pal twenty bucks, and I sign it. And if they're if they have, if they do have a DVD player, they get my vintage stand-up comedy special, making it to the middle. That's a uh, 12 years old now, that just got, two years ago, it got redone on Here TV, the Gay Network. They uh, re-bought it, and it plays there. And I will send them a free DVD with that, if you sell the DVD player. That's
1: pretty cool. Tell tell me about making it to the middle. What does making it to the middle mean?
2: Well, when I I did my stand-up special uh, 12 years ago, I was in the middle of the country, you know, working all over the country, middle of my life, and the middle of my career. And... That, so it felt that way. And it also felt symbolically that I always thought that I was going to be a really big star or a complete failure. And I'm just a guy that makes a living that some people know. And I've been really, really lucky, especially for a gay man, you know, growing up in the eighties, trying to have a career in Hollywood where people would like look at me and say things like, you know, you really, uh, there's, we don't really have anything for you. You know, you're going to have to wait till you're older. Uh, and I, and I look at myself, you know, I was a cute kid. You know, and I thought to myself, God, why do, why do they say that? I, I remember auditioning for the open call for the outsiders, you know, with Tom Cruise and Amelia Estevez and Patrick Swayze and all these really handsome, straight guys. And I think whatever I was selling at the time was something nobody wanted to hear or see. So I think the really cool thing about COVID is I, I finally learned to forgive myself for that time for not being more successful because when I started out with Damon Waynes and Drew Carey and George Lopez and all these pals who I work with, they all got TV series deals when they, you know, when they got really famous. When I got really famous in the nineties, when I came out on the Rawlder show, I got a lot of guest spots, but I could not get anybody to do a series with me. I had 20 producers wanting to do series with me, but it never happened. Mm-hmm. You know, people would actually say there's, you know, a gay guy is not going to get a series. And It's just not going to happen. And I think that, you know, at the time, you know, people didn't. They just said, you know, th- you know, this color is this. If you are gay, you are this. And I, and I, and I, I am I talking too much? Because this is a, this is a great. Go go, yes. go go! This man. is this is really important to the, to, the uh, to, to how my life unfolded. So as the years went on, uh, around in the late 2000s, after I did my take my TV series, the late odds as they say. Uh, and I sold it DVD, and I sold it to the Here TV network, which and everything, and I and I had done that. And I realized, okay, I'm not going to get on the talk shows. I tried my best, but you know, one talk show ho- Booker said, you know, if you can pretend you're straight and not say anything, or not pretend if you, if you can just not say anything about being gay, you might have a chance. And that was around 2004 or five, and that sort of cut me by the knees off. So I went back to acting class. I stopped being the funny gay guy in all the sitcoms. I used to be on My Wife and Kids. I played Damon Wayne's Shrink. He was nice enough to give me that role. And then Bruce Fine and his sister Kim and Don Rio and all these really great people had all sat in a room and said, who's gonna play a Gay Shrink on the role? And they said, Jason Stewart. And I got the part and I did four of them. And that sort of changed my career. And then when the sitcoms ended and the stand-up stuff started to change and I thought, what do I really wanna do with my life? And it always went back to being a character actor, being a great character actor. I used to love Dustin Hoffman. I love Whoopi Goldberg. I love Lee Grant and Geraldine Page and J.W. Walsh and Paul, you know, um, Paul Giamatti and Steve Buscemi. Those are all my guys, all those great character actors. And I went to class and I said, okay, I'm not going to just be the funny gay guy anymore. I can be something more. There is, a, there, you know, and I started doing stuff and I got a guest star on The Closer around 10 years ago, playing a guy who talked like this, and he was a very, you know, jewish New York kind of guy. And I started, that whole thing happened. Annoying Jews, funny Jews. And then I went from that to um, being in a film, a very prestigious film with Fred Molina, Marissa Tomei, and John Lithgow called um, Love is Strange. And that went to Sundance. And then from that, I did Tangerine, that Sean Baker did about these two trans gals and I played this sort of similar character, the the Jewy kind of guy, you know, you know, and, uh, who was running a manager. I was always a manager of something for years. I played managers of things, but yet I didn't have any power. And then after that, I got a part in a film called the birth of a nation. And that changed my whole trajectory as an artist, as an actor, and opened up the possibilities. Of uh, me playing i played a white heterosexual christian plantation owner in 1831 i won't tell the whole story in the book the chapter is called the birth of an actor nate parker this incredibly open man who was in, was at the time i think he was 35 or 36 and he saw my audition tape which i had sent to him through my louisiana agent because i couldn't get an l.a or a new york agent to send me up for anything other than you know annoying jews or funny gay guys and managers so um I did this film i got cast in this film i won't tell the whole story but um i went to new orleans i went to the callback i met him in person uh i rather my new organization i went to savannah georgia and i uh <laughs> stayed at this shit hotel and i got this t- and i paid all on my own dime and, and this really crappy you know rented rent a wreck drove all the way to this mall you know practicing my you know two scenes that i was going to do in the car got there in the parking lot and then practicing my stuff and i see this guy and he comes over to me and he says he says i know you and i thought who is it? i have a fan in the middle of a parking lot in savannah georgia you know who is this and it was nate parker with a hat and a beard and he said something to me and i don't know what he said but he's so handsome and so has so much power as a human that i just knew that i was going to be okay i went in i did the audition he said, thank you. He said, can you do it again and be a little funnier? This guy's a blowhard. And I went, can I be funny? Are you kidding? <laughs> I said, can I start the, the two scenes? And uh, I did the both two scenes over. He said, thank you very much. I said, this is a great project. And uh, two days later, my agent's assistant, assistant in New Orleans calls me. says, says, how you doing? I said, I'm fine. She says, well, you're... Well, how's your day going? I said. Well, I said fine. She said, Well, it's about to get a lot better. You got the part. And I said, Well, what part? And I swear to God, I thought it was maybe one of the independent films or an episodic. And she says, The plantation owner. And I went, My heart like stopped. And I said, Really? Oh my God! And and I and I just, I just started to cry. I just completely just cried, and I couldn't believe it. And then I went into panic mode. <laughs> I knew I had to do it. And I called every single actor friend of mine. And for seven days, I worked on this script every single day for five hours, flew to New Orleans. Then, I, then they paid me to drive uh, to Savannah, went to Savannah, uh, went, went to see a friend of mine in Florida who's a producer and w- arrived five days early. And I said to um, Nate's assistant, who was Denzel Washington's daughter, which I didn't know at the time, and I said, you know, if there's a table reading, I want to be here for it. I'd love to meet with Nate before the film. And I rented another car on my own tab, drove an hour and a half from my friend's house and met with him. And he was in this big house that he rented with him and his family. It was like Thanksgiving. His mother was there and his kids and his wife and his cousins and everybody. And he's barefoot. And he comes to New York, puts on his shoes. And we go to this um, uh, garage that has a, uh, a room above it. And I walk in and he he's on the other side of the room and he turns to get to the script and I said, Thank you so much for hiring me and then he goes, No, thank you. And then he goes to get the pick up the script and turns again and I swear to God I almost, you know, fell apart. Because, you know, for so many years people wouldn't let me do things. They wouldn't let me play to become and this is this is a big part, it was eight scenes. And uh when I went to the screening of it, I remember I I had not seen the film, you know, in a year because you know it takes a long time. I had I, I read the script once and I never read it again. And the reason I did is because the character I played, the Joseph Randall, the plantationer who did such terrible things, you know, being such a liberal Jewish gay guy, there's no way that I could have ever done that, knowing what I was saying caused such uh, horrific things, and I the n-word in my mind was just the color red and i would just i was there to mentor this younger guy and i was just there to help army hammer and nate parker and help them and tell them what to do and how i feel and da, 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 da. and i did i had the most incredible artistic experience just felt so you know wonderful and so uh, uh happy and just so in my in my in my lane and when it came when i saw the film and i oh my god i was so overwhelmed by the story it's such a beautiful film you can see it on amazon now you can rent it for a couple dollars i think it's five dollars or four dollars or whatever and i just i completely lost it and then i cried again because my part wasn't cut (laughs) and then i cried again because I, i got front card billing and um um the other thing about it, it the, more, the most important thing is that I've always wanted to be the kind of actor to be in the kind of films that you go into a room and you see something and you and it completely changes who you are as a person. You know, I really didn't understand, I think 100% what uh, black people go through in this country. And I probably will never will 100%, but it opened up a door because the whole film was done from the uh, black point of view. And I don't even say African-American, I say black, because these are these were all different kinds of black people, not just from Africa, but from everywhere. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I learned that from my friend, Lee and and, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, honestly. But the idea, you know, I'm not a Polish American, I'm an American, you know, but so I, I, I did tons of red carpet things. And I remember one cute little blonde lady saying, how do you feel about this? How do you feel? about playing this character. I said, well, once, you know, God just waved a wand over my head. And the second thing is, is that it's not for me to feel anything. What I do is I take off my shoes, I put on the shoes of my black brothers and sisters, and then I shut up and I listen. My opinion does not matter. And I'm here to be of support and to say, hey, you know, this happened to you. I see that. I see you. And... She was like, you know, and then they wanted to talk about scandals and everybody just, and and that's not who I am. What I want to do with my art is to be able to be in things. So it really changed me. It changed the way I look at things. I mean, I've always been an incredibly liberal, you know, guy, always. I've always had a Benetton ad of friends. And when I see what's happened in this world in the last, you know, 10 years, it just, my heart is broken. So, um, I hope that through art that we can now, uh, find a way to, to patch ourselves up. But that's part of the, the Jason Stewart trajectory of things, of where I am in my career. And now I, you know, I do what I want to do. I'm really, really lucky and I'm blessed and I'm grateful and I'm insane and a little nuts. And, uh, you know, yeah. Oh, and especially all especially the writing, yeah, especially, especially the
0: writing.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, now going forward, because you were able to to do this role, and it's totally different than anything that you've done before. Do you think that that's going to alter your trajectory going forward? And, oh, and it's already it, happened.
2: I mean, the movie's been out for four years. It it really changed everything. I got really great agents. I I got I, I did I did literally thirty jobs. I guest starred on love the Judd Apatow show. I guess start on recently just did Goliath with Billy Bob Thornton and J.K. Simmons. I did Swedish Dicks with Keanu Reeves. I did my first two detectives. I have a film called Immortal that's online now where I play a, a detective, a really great uh, a detective that deals with, uh, private detective that deals with spyware. I play a real private dick in a film called abducted my first real big action film where i have four scenes and then i run around and go and i say things i put my glasses on my head and i go yeah this isn't gonna work i'm gonna have to go there and do the other thing you know (laughs) i was charles derney you know and i I pretended i was charles derney people didn't know who he is one of my favorite character actors and then i and and then i just started to play gay guys again in the last year or so in this in my own series smothered and and I did a little film called Hank that you can see on Reverie for free. And it's I play this really sweet gay guy that's in a terrible relationship and very quiet film and it's really wonderful. And I wouldn't have gotten those films if it wasn't for the other films. Everything gets something else. Everything takes you somewhere else if you
1: build on it. Well and looking looking back at those earlier films where you were being cast as the, you know, the the funny gay guy or the or the, the crazy Jewish guy. Are you? Do you look back and are you resentful of those roles now, or do you just view them as part of the journey that you were on? You no, know,
2: and I'd be happy to pay a funny gay guy now or a crazy Jew. And I, I I don't think I don't want to stop playing who I am. I just want to add to it. Mm-hmm. I want to be treated as an equal. I don't know whether that will happen in my lifetime. I mean, we live in a very white supremacist world and they see you know the thing is is that when you use these hard terms of racist or white supremacist or all these things people go oh that's not me well we all have a little teeny bit of racism in us you know we all have a little teeny bit of something in us that's not that we don't like but the thing is is to be aware of it Mm -hmm. and to know that everything does not have to come from white heterosexual christian appearing men and now the world revolves around that. And, and, in the, and the, you know, God, these young people going and marching for Black Lives Matter started by two lesbians, two black lesbians, I might say, peaceful lesbians. So a lot of the violence that has come attached to Black Lives Matter is not their mission. It is other people who sometimes you wonder why they haven't set the whole you know, country on fire. If you watch anything that has to do with African-Americans coming to this country, anything to do with black history, the idea of what they have gone through and to expect them to be able to even hold their head up in any way with the, what's happened in this, in, the, in our country, we have to take responsibility for that as as white people and as humans, you know, and as a Jew, you know, it's weird. I don't consider myself a white person. My father was a Holocaust survivor and came to this country in 1949. And there's a chapter in my book called got to move, got to get out. It tells you everything about how he came here. So I think when you're a Jew or you're gay or you're something different, you have you have, a, you, you have a, an easier understanding sometimes. But I have a cousin who's my age doesn't think at all. You know, voted for Trump, and I, you just don't understand that. You know, you don't. I don't understand what's going on and how this can, how people can do this. You know, I don't understand it, and I can think
0: I that a personal question. And, and feel free not to answer. Um, I, I think a lot of us we we build our. I empathy
2: really haven't had sex experience. in a long time. No, no. no, no, no. <laughs> I, a lot mission? of
0: us. A lot of us build our empathy through a lot of the trials we face, and that's how we can be empathetic because we can understand from that point of pain. When you were growing up, did you have? Um, a family that was, you know, loving and caring and accepting. Well, then you read,
2: that's in the book, my mother's chapter, which is called, it was the worst of times. It was the worst of times. (laughs) So I grew up with a very, my family was crazy. My mother would run down on the street, you know, with a knife wearing cha-cha heels, plastic earrings, and a snap-on ponytail and culottes. She sounds like grandma's hair. Why are you doing this to me? You know, (laughs) uh, yeah so i did not grow i grew up in a family where my my mom was pregnant when she got married and she was 17 and put like a lot of women in in the 1950s did not have a decision was not even an adult and had to learn how to deal with having three children by the time she was 25 she was dirt poor growing up didn't know how to you know do anything no one taught her anything other than just shut up and have the kids and you know my mom didn't even know how to write a check when she got divorced in the seventies. You know, she'd never even had a bank account. You know, women. You know, the, the world. People, younger people, don't know, understand how different the world is these days, and how completely different the world was, and things that we had to deal with. But I love what's happened. You see these kids marching in Black Lives Matter, and they. I was so proud because they all had masks on, and they. You know, we're all. You know, trying in their own ways, and they basically risk their life to say this matters. Okay. This matters. This is worth that. Whereas you saw the other side, with white supremacists, uh, you know, Proud Boys, Boogaloo's, or Booga- I don't know what that is. Yeah, the group.
3: Boogaloo boys. Boogaloo
2: boys. Oh national, na- uh, national, uh, na- white nationalists, and you saw them not wear masks, not care about other people, and. The heads of their groups, those groups be violent. I mean, even two years ago, Spike Lee put it in his film, you saw people in Virginia marching down the street saying Jews will not take our jobs, wearing white, you know, people, you know, I remember watching something on the news when they murdered that girl that was standing between the cars, a white girl, and there was this young black guy that probably could have looked like you, Brian. He was like 21 years old. And you always think as an actor, if something happens, how you would react. That's how an actor minds work. This mm-hmm. kid wasn't crying. He was just like, you know, he had been pushed off the car or put, you know, like this. The car like hit him some, as they all, people don't remember, the, the this, some crazy guy took his truck, backed it up, and smashed it into all these cars waiting to go into the to the not the parade the uh, to the uh, resistance march or the march that were in the cars and smashed them and this guy this poor young kid couldn't have been twenty or twenty one years old black kid with glasses just made me th- look at you I just burst out crying and I just you know, he said he said they, they 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 tried to kill me they almost kept you know he was like you know and I thought. You know exactly. How else would you react? It's it's just so shocking. God bless Spike Lee for putting that in his film. You know, Black um, Klansman. Black Klansman. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant film. You know, putting that in there and, and actually showing that. You know, his life. Life is not. You know, he he took life at art and he put it together, and showed us. And I I, I couldn't I I couldn't breathe. You know, I could not breathe. I gasped a breath when I I, I saw that. And I just was, you know, we have to do better. We have to. Mm -hmm. And that's what my book is about. That Honestly, that's what it it, is. It's it's about some crazy Jewish gay kid who, you know, didn't know what, didn't know where to go, what to do. And about cleaning up the wreckage of my past and becoming a, a man and becoming a better person. Through
1: my art well and you you said that uh, throughout your film career, um, you know especially up up until birth of a nation, that you were looking for something to do that was more relevant or more substantive, do you feel always. like your 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 book is that? do you feel like that has a little bit more substance for for people?
2: Oh, it's funny, some chapters, but it's also touching, and it's also mixed up. you know, I always say to a lot of gay men. And it's specifically in gay men so much is that we we um, we put straight women on a pedestal. Now, the first chapter of my book is called "Simply Barbara," and we all know who Barbara is, do we not? <laughs> Streisand of course. Yeah. So I'm I'm not a gay man that doesn't love the divas, but I also think <laughs> now is the time for us to not stand behind the skirts of straight women. And to speak ourselves and to hold each other up in the queer community. Yeah. Now is the time for that. It's really important. I mean, you wouldn't see Barbara Streisand hosting the BET Awards, but you would see Lady Gaga host, oh, she's bisexual, I forgot. So you wouldn't see, you know, um, I don't know, you wouldn't see whoever, you know, uh, Barry Manilow doing the next Asian Pacific, you know, award ceremony. No, you have your own people. You you raise your own people. And Nate Parker kept saying that to raise each other up. And I've been in three films in a row where every single person was asked to help PR and support the film. Love is Strange, Tangerine, and Birth of a Nation. And it was such, it was so, I was so lucky to see that. And in each film, I had a bigger part, one scene in one and four scenes in another and 18. So I was able to watch that every, you know, it was a, 14, 15, and 16. And I was able to watch how you can do that to support the artist that hires you. First, you do the art, then you do the business. And um, it's real important to do that. And it's real important to, to hold each other up. You have to hold each other up. You know, it can't be okay what Trump has done, the crimes. It cannot be okay. We cannot turn our head to it.
3: Well, and it's also not enough to say, Well, I don't support that. That's not enough. You've got got to be willing to condemn it. You've got to be willing to speak out against it, too. I remember, you know, like you were saying about, you know, doing better and, you know, speaking truth and whatnot. Um, I remember when everything happened with George Floyd last year. I wrote a couple of things, and one of them that I said was, look, to my white friends, it ain't enough for you to be angry with me now. I appreciate it. But you need to be sticking up for me when you among your own, when your cousin, your aunties or whoever no. are saying something out of pocket about me or people that look like me. You can't just sit there and be uncomfortable and quiet. You got to say something that that that's the important thing. And I think that that's what a lot of people need to understand, too. It's just like if I'm around family members or whatever and they say something out of pocket about, you know, homos- homos- the homosexual community. It's up to me to say something because I know that if I have a friend who is, you know, transgender, you know, queer, non-binary, whatever. If somebody says something out of pocket about me or someone that looks like me, I would expect them to stand up for me just like they would expect me to stand up for them. So you don't have
2: to get it. You don't have to understand it. You just have to support it. Right. We were talking at the beginning about Jay and that that Jay is a they. And, you know, we we talked about it. And I said, he said, I I said, you want to be referred to that way? Because he said, yes. He says, I know. But he says it. (laughs) (laughs) And, 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 And Jay said that, yes, it's hard to do. And I said, yeah, because when I was growing up in school, when you would say those people are them, it was considered derogatory. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to change. It's really ingrained in my mind. But you just, just you just try. Right. You, you know, why does he have to do? Why, why does Jay have to do that? Why does they have to do that? You know,
3: <laughs> because if, if that if that's how Jay feels, then that's how Jay feels. Let it be. Well, and you know? and
1: you said something a little bit earlier, Jason, and uh, and and I love it because it was actually something that we had touched on in uh, in another podcast that I host. Uh, you had said that you know most of us have some kind of prejudices or bad things inside of us that we acknowledge are there. And, you know, what I've always believed is, you know what, we can't always help that. But what you can do is try to better yourself, you know, acknowledge that. I said, do
2: the doilies, just don't send them anywhere.
1: That's You got it.
2: That's right. You yeah, can do your exactly.
1: doilies. <laughs> do your doilies.
2: They make you feel good. Keep them. Just don't give it to the rest of us. That's yeah. right.
1: That's right. Yeah. Well, I don't well. have to do your doily, but
2: I can certainly support you making them.
1: Well, it
0: starts at home too. Educating yeah. your children and oh, you got it. You have help. kids. I
3: do. Yep, I've got. I've got a Brian Junior. Yep. 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 Matter of fact, thing. Brian Junior came to me one day and said, "Dad, I think I'm bisexual." I'm like, "Oh, thank God." You think you think you can go the full way to the other side? Then I don't have to worry about you making me a granddaddy before I'm ready. And he goes, "There are silver lines <laughs> How old is your son? He just turned twelve. Just oh turned twelve.
2: God, he thinks he's bisexual. He,
3: oh well, he said, "Well, he said that a couple. He said that about two years ago." I asked him last year. I said, "So, are there any cute? I was like, any cute girls or boys in your class?" He goes, "Dad." I don't think I like boys anymore and I'm staying away from girls because girls are nothing but trouble and I have to keep my head in my books. And I'm like, you listen to me. Yes, well,
1: that's true. <laughs> but,
3: but so <laughs> I, I think I think that what I think he thought he was bisexual because he probably found another boy attractive, but he knows, you know, so it's whatever. He's got plenty of time to decide. He's what only he wants. 12. For yeah, he's see. only 12.
2: Let him be yeah. a kid. Yeah. that's what I Yeah. Saying.
3: And that's what that's I'd so rather. Nice. Everything me is so sexualized, way, so young, and I and I'm glad that he, he it's not a thing to him, you know. Because the only thing that got me was last he asked me. He goes, "Well, Dad, why did that happen to George Floyd?" And I'm like, "Ugh, who oh, told man. you about that?" And he goes, "I saw it on YouTube," and I said, "F and YouTube, yeah, ugh." But it's like, yeah, I'm doing my it's best. Important
2: to just... for him to know, don't you think?
3: Oh yeah, you know, you I had the talk part with of him. Our
2: history, you got to have that that talk. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we we had to talk. Yeah, you have to have that talk.
3: Yeah, and his mother cuz I was a corrections officer for a couple of years and one of the police officers in the town that I lived in when I lived in New Hampshire, he's still on their police department. So, you know, he he talks to my son when he sees him and, you know, he'll say, "You know, tell your dad hi for me." And my ex-wife took him to the police department and that officer was there. He showed him the car, talked to him about stuff and blah, blah, blah. So it really helped him to just sort of ease his anxiety. And he got to go back to feeling like a kid. Doesn't mean that I'm getting a night's, a good night's sleep, but still.
2: And you never will. I mean, until no. until this changes and that's what people don't get. Yeah. And there's also a chapter in my book where I talk about, and this I wrote about years before. Uh, you you know even having these discussions came into the thing I worked in in um, uh, Greenville, South Carolina. and There was a waitress there, and I'd worked there several times before. And between the fr- the Friday night eight o'clock show and and the ten thirty show, I was sitting at the bar having my diet coke, which I don't drink anymore. And she said she said something like these N word people they don't tip. And I had a lot of black people come to see me because I had been on wife and, my wife and kids. So the moms who were watching that show, would, you know, had come. A lot of the moms would come. And and I said, I said, are you talking to me? And she said, yeah. I said, well, I don't go for that. I don't go for that kind of talk. And she said, well, you're not one of them. And I said, it doesn't matter. And she never spoke to me again.
3: Of course not. Because it's- you didn't, you didn't validate her her racism and that's what they all do they as soon as they start going racist they look for someone to validate it and as soon as they don't get that validation they clam up
2: but they get so upset they get so upset when you would call them that even -hmm. even in another thing you know you can you maybe you can school me on this but i think because we're using words that we used before and now we're reappropriatizing them so being a racist used to be somebody that, w- that was just terrible, like, you know, terrible, terrible. But I was, so I said to my cousin, I said, it's, I, I don't necessarily think you're a racist. I think that you say racist things. And if I break it down, you don't really believe that, do you? And he, he, you would break it down and they go, yeah, well, I've had da, 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 da. And I dated black people. Yeah, I said, I said, but yeah, but you're still saying racist things. So when you say to somebody, Black Lives Matter We're now supporting people because people are getting killed by the police in their cars and and, 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 in other ways in larger numbers. And they said, well, what about black and black crime? Well, that's not what we're talking about.
3: Black on black crime isn't even a thing. Oh, my God. Sorry. (laughs) But
2: I'm just saying it doesn't matter whether it's a thing or not. It's not, right. it's not what Black Lives Matter is about. Well, here, here's
3: my thing. Anyone that sits there and says, oh, well, what about black-on-black black crime? Oh, yeah, what about white-on-white white crime? Or Asian-on-Asian <laughs> Asian crime? Because guess what? Statistically speaking, and this is hard fact put out by the FBI and every single law enforcement agency in this country, is that individuals cause crimes primarily within their own communities. The prob- The thing is, with the term of black on black crime that's that systemic racism that was in the media to put it on there to make it okay to just laugh and shrug off the fact that black people are being killed disproportionately by police for generations upon generations and that police departments started out as slave catching catching rings and that's exactly what they're continuing on doing there is no race upon race crime crime is crime Period. Anyone that tries to argue anything else is an Brian, ignorant you, asshole.
2: Right, but Brian, do you think that people don't really get that? I think I
3: they. Think that, I think they either they don't get, can't don't get, or refuse it. to get because well, yeah. because it's easier because as soon as you shake up some people's thinking, they don't know where they stand in this universe. And that's the problem. And there's and that, that's, that is what systemic racism is. If it's going to shake you to your core to find out that black folks don't deserve to be mistreated because we aren't all criminals, we're not all out to rape white women, we're not all thugs, we don't all shuck and jive and dance and eat watermelon and whatever the hell other bourgeois bullshit that they seem to put on us when they see that we're not like that, uh, 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 uh. Boom, head explodes. It's like frickin' trancers all over again.
1: Well, Whew, wow. I I I've gotta say I, I got that riled up there for a second. I, I couldn't be happier with how this show has gone. We we went from silly and funny and being roasted all around by Jason to turning into to more serious dramatic things and then to some well, that's really, my That's right. And then to some really important points that I think that everyone should sit back and absorb and think about because they're very, very real in this country.
3: Absolutely. And, you know, one other thing I'll throw in there, too, is that, and, I'll, and I'm going to put essentially every community on blast because guess what? We don't exist without each other. Bottom line is, that's the bottom line. None of us exist without each other. And, and that's just truth. No matter what communities might feel, oh, well, we're pretty self-contained and blah, blah, blah. No, no, we're not. Human beings exist within each other. No matter how you try to separate yourselves into whatever little genres or boxes, we're all one. We're all one community one living we are the human race right and what we need to do is actually hold each other up as such because i'm sorry if dinosaurs came out the ground right now and wanted to take over they don't see black white gay straight whatever you know what they see lunch okay (laughs) and you know and you know what the extraterrestrials see
2: I don't need anymore fear about something else. <laughs> sorry,
3: Brian. well, sorry. I, I worry about I worry about extraterrestrials and dinosaurs taking oh. over. I can't help, help it,
2: people. Why do they always? Have, why are you so prejudiced against people from other planets? Why?
0: Do <laughs> no, no,
2: Because no, no, no. you know how they them. are. No, no,
0: no. Quarantine. No. <laughs> they,
2: oh they, my they, god. we're they, back today. Yes. You're and you're offending Jay.
3: You know how them reptilians be. Oh, He's not Lord. a reptilian,
2: right. He's a human being.
1: All right, boys, <laughs> boys, boys. And uh,
2: shout out to Rebecca. We, Rebecca, we, thank you for all the comments.
1: We you, are Rebecca. we are at the end of our show, but before we go, I'd love it if Jason could plug his book one more time. Oh,
2: I've done it enough. My God, shut up! I'm talking. <laughs> Everything is available on my website. If you want to contact me through any social media, it's all on the front page. You just click onto it uh I, i'm on everything from facebook to twitter to instagram everything even I, have, I even have a tiktok page and you can you can also sign up go to my you know my web to my uh, email if you want to send me an email through my contact page through my office modern artists and send me an email and then i will send you a book for twenty dollars and if you have a dvd i will send you my stand-up special which is vintage and i will sign it and, and send it to you in the mail the next day
1: well, Jason, we really, really appreciate you coming on. You've been just a fantastic guest.
2: Well, thank you. I, I, I forgive me for talking so much, but well, I that's uh, what
0: you're supposed to do. We love yeah. it. We love yeah. it. Yeah. And
2: I, I get a little carried away, and I've been alone for a long time, and I don't
0: <laughs> to talk to. We, well, we all need that connection. We
2: well, all. you can
3: talk to me anytime, Jason. Well, my
0: head
2: is huge. That's all I have to say. Is my head looks huge?
3: <laughs> well, no, no bigger than mine.
2: I know, but we're well, not talking about you.
1: That's right. Shut he up. Should. He's talking.
2: There are three, three guys with three big heads. Look at that. <laughs> All right, well, 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 before know, Fox, big Before
0: head. we go, we got to hey, give a shout him. out. He's
2: him and Brian.
1: Shut up, Katie. He's talking. Shut up, Katie. I'm talking. You can't talk. Until you can clean that What? <laughs> <laughs> well, look. What's that, what's that on there? I
3: don't know. No, some something about a thing. Oh,
1: Angie said. Angie said, "I love it.
2: Awesome hour, and I hope you get sex soon." <laughs>
3: hey, if you want, I can send you a flashlight. Oh. <laughs> Only right. slightly used. All
1: right, all right. I'm gonna. Don't to make me <laughs> Oh goodness. So yes, and all right. That, that was our our second sponsor, uh, Rebecca Jonesy, who also sponsors my other show, but this is about spilling ink right now, Mistress and- Rebecca Dirty Jonesy. You will be entertained.
0: And she does live readings every Thursday on her Facebook page. And she is an amazing reader, so you definitely want to tune in and you listen to her. you say
2: reader, reading. what do you mean? She reads books? Yes. yes.
0: Yes, Those are her books.
1: Oh,
2: she doesn't read your poems or do readings?
0: No, no, no. She no, reads but we have books.
1: friends that do that.
0: Oh, do (laughs) and speaking of readings tune in tomorrow on my youtube channel because i'll be reading chapters 12 and 13 from a taste of your own magic
1: yes all right katie you better do the rollout pretty quick here before these two go at it again
0: all right we want to thank everyone for watching thank our guests for hanging out with us and what a great conversation it has been It, it has definitely been a roller coaster ride which which we appreciate on this show (laughs) and for everyone out there we will be back next week hopefully our whole team will be recovered and we will have more fun and interesting conversations and probably more train wrecks to watch
1: yes and wear your freaking masks
0: like share subscribe wear your mask and we will see you guys next time thank you for watching
3: (laughs) deuces